welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the... I'm blanking on the word that I've decided on. <laughs> oh, no. Come on, snappy, pithy David. Oh. Come on, just say the cheerful Matt. Right, there we go. Uh, so, okay. wait. <laughs> Spyfall All right, Part let's two, go with that. Episode 2 of Season 12. 5th of January 2020. Let's let's just go, David. Right? Right. Well, I thought you wanted uh, me to come up with a new segment, Matt. Oh, you know I absolutely did. I'm just joking. Hello, mm. everyone. Hello, David. Yes. Um, we the, At time of recording, our, our first episode, uh, uh, the Spyfall Part 1 episode, has been up for about 12 hours. Yep. Um, has there been any blowback yet, Matt? Well, thankfully we established the complaints procedure last week. Um, Yes, indeed. So, we haven't had any complaints, but we also haven't had any listeners. (laughs) (laughs) They've just all switched off. They've had enough. Ah, well, fair enough. Well, we'll we'll start again, I suppose. Yeah. Just, uh... Yeah. Build build it back up. We go again. That's what they say Mm. in football, David. We go again. Is it? Yeah. We go again. Right. Well then. Um, but anyway, I mean, I, I I guess I should ask before we get into anything else, have you had a nice week, Matt? Yeah, I, I was, was going to say, we didn't even really spoke. say hello, did we? It was just like, right, no. click record, let's go. We've we've very much stumbled into it this week. Um, um, but yeah. I think, I think the big story of my week, David, is uh, mm. I fell down the stairs. Oh, that's not nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know the stairs up to my little attic where I record? Yeah. Fairly steep. Yeah. Well, it turns out about two years ago when we went into lockdown, uh, my wife got sick of me leaving stuff everywhere. So, she put a pile of stuff at the bottom of the stairs thinking I would take it up with me. Um, I just kind of haven't. So, there was GCSE chemistry book from work. It's been there two years. Just walked down the stairs, slipped on it. Oh, Thankfully, it fell dear. backwards instead of forward, so I didn't fall like all the way down the stairs. I fell onto mm. the stairs, yeah. uh, but it was so painful. I just yeah. came to the decision that that was my life. I was just going to lay there forever. <laughs> I know, I know exactly how you feel. It was a while ago now, but uh, I used to live in a house with a very steep flight of stairs, and I slipped on the top step of it once, and honestly. It, it was like something out of Mr. Bean. Like, it literally bumped my way down every single step. An entire flight of stairs. And by the end of it, I was so kind of shaken up by it. I, I just went and lay in a bed for two hours. Uh, like, I, I hadn't actually... I couldn't claim any specific injury. It was more just the sheer... I don't know how to describe it. It was just... I just felt like violated in a way well uh, i don't even know if i've mentioned this on pod a couple of years ago my wife had like quite a nasty fall off a horse and uh when i we took her to the hospital they had to do like a set of tests to make sure she wasn't paralyzed basically um yeah so whilst i was laid on the stairs i ran myself through those tests to make sure and i was like right i can i can move my legs that's a really good sign I'm just going to lie here for an hour or so now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, bless you. Well, I, I hope you're feeling better now anyway. Oh, I'm always better when I talk to you, baby. Oh, well, that's lovely to hear. Um, 
So anyway, you sent me some homework this week. Yep. As though watching Spyfall Part 2 wasn't enough. Um, so I, I, I have done, you know, diligently gone about it, and I do have a new segment proposal to to present to you, Matt. Well, I, I've done the same, so... Do you, okay. do you want to go first, or shall I? And we'll, uh, we can I, I, approve I, I, or disapprove. Disapprove, well, sorry. I'll, I'll be honest, I don't think you're going to be keen on uh, Okay. Because it involves Doctor Who. My, mine is entirely Doctor Who discussion-based. I'll give you that much. Oh, well, that's excellent. I think... Uh, I'm, I, I'm excited to hear yours, then. But uh, I, I sort of assumed that yours would be... I don't know. Basically, a, a means of you crowbarring in an anecdote. Um, yeah, mine's mine's called culinary delights of the past seven days. <laughs> um, but anyway, so mine, I, I I sort of took inspiration from Would I Lie to Who, mm-hmm. which, if you recall, was also supposed to be Doctor Who related. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I thought. I basically thought of other British panel shows that I could do a Doctor Who related pun on, and so I've gone with "Have I Got Who's for You?" Okay, do you like that, Matt? Yeah, yeah. See, that's that's not lazy because I'd have gone "Have I Got News for Who?" But after what yeah. I lie to who, I think you know. Yeah, exactly. No, have I got Who's for you? I guess we could do "Have I Got Who's for Who?" But then that just gets, yeah, I guess difficult. Doesn't Why don't it? we just go "Who I Got Who for Who?" Uh, no, no. Um, um, let's oh, stick. Who, 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 who? Look, I'll be honest. I've workshopped this. Have I got who's for you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Have I got who's for you? I think rolls off the tongue best, uh, despite the fact that I just tripped over it. Um, and the concept is fairly simple, Matt. Uh, every week, I will bring up um, popular search engine searchwise.net. Mm-hmm. Um, use the search term Doctor Who, click on the news tab, and we can just pick... I'll give you some options of various clickbait articles because Doctor Who is a a guaranteed form of clickbait. Every week, sites are pumping out new articles to to try and trick uh, Doctor Who fans into uh, giving them a little bit of that sweet, sweet ad revenue. Um, so I'll, I'll read out a few uh, options for you, and you can tell me which one you'd like to uh, take a look at with me. Oh, I'd love this. Yeah. Okay, so let, should we go for it? Yeah, should we let searchwise.net do the heavy lifting so we don't have Let's to plan do anything any week? There we go. So Doctor Who, news. Okay, so top one here from The Express uh, Jodie Whittaker replaced by Silent Witness star with a question mark. Okay. Um, if if that was an exclamation mark, I'd be more intrigued. But it's yeah, you know, it doesn't seem definitive. I mean, uh, there's there's a good rule of thumb. Anytime you see a headline with a question mark, the answer is no. Yeah. Just straight up, whatever it is, no. Um, also, if it's like you won't believe who's replacing Jodie Whittaker. Mm-hmm. I think I will, but I'll wait until it's confirmed. <laughs> I mean, it'll probably be a, a, a British television actor. Yeah. You know. Imagine if it um, was just like a yellow highlighter pen. <laughs> that would be surprising. 
I genuinely would be surprised by that, for sure. Um, okay, so other options for you, Matt. Uh, Radiotimes.com have got Doctor Who's Centenary Special will be your visual effects spectacular, says VFX Box. Yeah, well, of course they say that. They love visual yeah. effects. Yes, that's literally their job. <laughs> um, oh, Plymouth Live. Next Doctor Who will be another woman, according to leaked BBC production notes. Oh, now that has piqued my interest. Yeah, and it's coming from the most reputable source on the internet, Plymouth Live. You ever been to Plymouth? I used to live in Plymouth, Matt. Oh, uh, did you? Yeah, for like a uh, good 18 months. Oh, I've never been. Is it nice? Mm. Oh, it's all right. Is it well reputed for its trustworthy news sources? Uh, no, not especially. Um, but it, it just staggers me that, that like, a, a, a local, like, a city-based news website is still like, ah, oh, no, just pump it full of Doctor Who content. <laughs> Anything that will yeah. get the punters clicking. Uh, the Guardian yeah. has got uh, Doctor Who treasure trove in a Northumberland village cellar. I know what Ooh. that's referring to, actually. Is it lost episodes? Uh, no, it's not about lost episodes. Basically, somebody's made a museum in their cellar. <laughs> yes, please. Okay, that's the one we're going for, is it? Have, have I ever told you I love, like, homemade museums? Ah, yes. Well, you'll be very interested in this, then. When my wife and I... In fact, I recommend this to anyone. If you go to Hull... Um, Mm -hmm. and go to the deep, which is the big aquarium there, just over the road is Hull Dinosaur Experience. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, it's quite literally in a man's garage. He's got some old posters from when Jurassic Park came out. <laughs> uh, he's taken some photos around Hull and then drawn dinosaurs onto it. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, he's got some toy dinosaurs, mm -hmm. but... Every time we go to Hull, because uh, that's where my wife went to university, I'm just like, oh, please, can we go to the dinosaur experience? And I think it costs about 30 pence to get in. It, Amazing. It's just a man with a passion for dinosaurs. That's, that's beautiful. Right. Um, Give me okay. the details. Right. I'm probably not going to read the whole article because it's fairly lengthy. Um, but uh, so this is, as I say, from The Guardian, the Doctor Who treasure trove in a Northumberland village cellar. Um, and uh, I'll give credit to the journalist, Mark Brown, North of England correspondent for The Guardian. And we'll, we'll pop a link to the full article in the show notes. At first glance, the Northumberland village of Allendale, with its pub and post office and random parking, is like hundreds of sleepy, charming villages across the UK. It's the Dalek that suggests something out of the ordinary. Behind the Dalek is a four-storey Georgian townhouse, in the cellar of the house is a remarkable and unlikely collection of more than 200 costumes, props and artwork turning classic sci-fi stories of Doctor Who, Blake Seven, Star Trek, Flash Gordon, Marvel and many more. Together they make up the collection of one of Britain's most eccentric small museums, one of many to be effectively forced into hibernation because of the pandemic. Most are run on a shoestring. Not all of them will reopen, but Neil Cole, a teacher and creator of the Museum of Classic Sci-Fi, is cheerfully optimistic about the future. The closure has allowed me to restructure the museum and create more space, he says. In a way, it has been useful because it has given me time I don't normally get. 
made the best of it. I don't have a lot of money, but I do have a lot of energy and I do everything myself. Um, so as I say, I've read about this museum and I actually genuinely really want to go to it. Um, the the owner of it, he, he basically, one of his hobbies for a long time has been restoring television and movie props. Uh-huh. And um, so he just after a certain point he had enough of a collection he was like oh, there's probably a museum in this and so he's just gone ahead and done it um so yeah maybe nice. a podcast field trip one day Matt who knows yeah definitely definitely we can be like roaming reporters yeah well anyway there you go so that's a little bit of a Doctor Who clickbait for this week um if you if you've enjoyed this Matt maybe we'll do it again next week yeah yeah, I think, you know, we've got to keep our finger on the pulse, haven't we? Yeah. And listeners, genuinely, let, let me know if this is of any interest to you or whether this is just a waste of your time. Um, but keeps us on topic to an extent, doesn't it? Mm. Um, what was your suggestion then, Matt? Right. Well, back over the last 12 months, David, whenever I write my notes, I have a set format. Yes. Um, I don't know how often you've actually seen my notes, but... Often enough. Title of the episode in the middle. Yeah. Episode number and series number beneath it. Date of release beneath that. Top right of the page is where I put the writer and director. But then top left of the page is where I have my little tick list. Right. For the pod. So, for example, I've got one here that says MOTW. Mm-hmm. That's the initials of Meal of the Week. WBQ, Wheelie Big Quiz. You know, so I would write initials. Yeah. Although here it says Fox. I don't know what that stands for. <laughs> oh, it's because I told you about that Fox that my mother-in-law oh. gave us. Yeah. Right? But, like, for example, here it says M-O-T-W, Soup. That's when Soup was my meal of the week. Yeah. So I'm going to read you the new initials to see if you can work this out. Okay. N-T-T-N-T-S-A-T-Z-O-D-W. Okay, so the first part is neither the time nor the space. Yep. Unfortunately, I, I do recognise the initials of our own podcast. Yep. Yeah, so, so, so what was after that? A-T-Z-O-D-W. At the zoo on... Dinosaur wings. Right. Well, I thought this year, David... We would put to he- together the comprehensive neither the time nor the space A to Z of Doctor Who. Ah. Okay. Why did I get so, DW would be Doctor Who? Yeah. <laughs> it's only been three years, mate. So I thought we could maybe start this next week because that okay. gives you a bit of time to gather your thoughts. Mm-hmm. But you know, because I thought it's focused. It's Doctor Who. Yeah. It's got a bit of longevity, because we can do every letter of the alphabet, but it's, you know, finite. We're not going to be doing this forever. Yeah. Okay. And each week, so next week, we'll start with A, obviously. Yeah. And I just want you to tell me your favourite thing about Doctor Who, starting with A. Oh, I'll have to have a really big think about that, Matt. David, his his surname starts with A as well. It's Anthony Ainley. (laughs) (laughs) He's absolutely gorgeous. You really are smitten, aren't you, Matt? David, I've got a picture of him on my phone that I just look at sometimes. 
Is your wife aware of this? Uh, no, because I've got, you know, I've got, like, nice pictures of me and my wife mm -hmm. and, you know, different things. But then, yeah, just like a nice picture of Anthony Ainley. Mm. Have you? Do you do that? Do you do that thing of uh, that some couples do of like you know, um, you where you have certain celebrities on a list of, um, like a sort. I, I forget what what's the term. There's a term for it, isn't there? That people. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so where, is she aware? You know, and you're, you're allowed extra marital relationships. Yes, with exactly. A list of set celebrities. Yeah, and so one. Do you do that? And uh, two, if you do, is she aware that Anthony Ainley has shot to the top of your list? I don't know. She doesn't really, like, listen to me when I tell her <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, she'll she'll occasionally ask me, like, what's for lunch, and I'll tell her. But then when I'm like, oh, have you checked this guy out? He played the master, and mm. I just think he's beautiful. And she'll just be like... Uh, have you got anything on after work today? <laughs> you know. No. Like, this is just one aspect of my life I don't think she has any interest in. But That's fair enough. It's a perfectly reasonable response. My partner's much the same. Yeah. Yeah. But at least we've got each other, hey? Yes, indeed. Yeah. So, like I say, just every week, we'll just prepare maybe like a five... Because I'm sure yours will be things that I'm probably unaware of. Potentially. You know, like, if we go for A, you might go, oh, this is uh, Adam John, and he was the director mm. in 1962, blah de blah de blah Yep, yep, yep. I'm not going to lie, I have two on my list. Anthony <laughs> Ailey and Amy Pond. I couldn't think of anything else. I mean, I'm surprised you're not thinking about Absorbaloff. Oh, yeah, I'll just add that. There's three on the list. <laughs> but, yeah, I just thought week by week, because then it gives us little talking points. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's a dry week, if I haven't fallen down the stairs or anything, and then we'll just have a little topic of chat. Yeah, lovely. Looking forward to it. Um, so that'll start... You say that week. now. You used to say that about Meal of the Week. Then you told it outstayed its welcome. I mean, it you definitely You were clambering did. for the end of Would I Lie to Who? Uh, um, well, but, but as you say, this is finite. Yeah, we get from A to Z, and we're done. So that's. I don't finite. know exactly when twenty six weeks away is. Will it lead us all the way up to Wheel of Big Quiz? I doubt it. Uh, probably not all the way, but a good good chunk of the way. I think it'll it'll certainly see us through the remainder of our Whitaker era reviews. Uh, it will be. Uh, 26. It'll be the 9th of July. Mm. For some reason, it said that will be the 8th of January, 2022. <laughs> I was like, that is a year away. That's miles away. And then I was like, oh, that's today. Isn't it? <laughs> it is. It was like, I, I listened back when I was editing last week, and I was like, oh, it's 2020 this episode came out. We're within a year. And I was like, oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, that's what, how that works. Like, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, that that's all out of the way. So shall we go ahead and crack on with uh, Spyfall Part 2? Yeah. Eager uh, to get your thoughts on this one. Would you like some listener tweets? Um, no, I thought we were done with it. We are. That was a test. Yeah. Yeah. Get in the bin. 
Sorry, I even I, I even asked for some, David, because <laughs> obviously, like this morning's episode hadn't released, so I wanted to keep up the ruse that there was hope, mm-hmm. that there was a chance we might do listeners' tweets. Yeah, but no. I mean, uh, I, there's been no outpouring, as far as I can tell. As I say, the, the episode's been up for twelve hours. Yeah, but that's Nobody's... that's even more worrying. I haven't heard from BT Flibberty Giggard in weeks. Oh no. I hope you're not fearing the worst. Well, they might be on a plane over here to sort us out. (laughs) Uh, All righty then. So tell us, Matt, um, what's the beats on uh, Spyfall Part 2? It is episode two of season 12 from the 5th of January, 2020. Written by Chris Chibi Chibbers and directed by Jamie Maggie Magnus. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work as well, does it? It's it just doesn't. Jamie Magnus Stone. It is, yeah. That's his name. Have you ever had a nickname, David? No, like, never. For as long as I've known you, you've just been David. Yes, yeah. Never Dave, never Davey. No, I, I mean, I, there are some people who, you know... You, you know some people who are just, like, incapable of not shortening a name? Um, or, or turning it into a nickname. So I've, I've had people in my life, you know, colleagues and, and, and friends and people who who just from the moment they've met me, just it's Dave and there's no point arguing with them about it. Um, but I don't generally go by Dave. Um, um, hold no. on, because my wife's just ringing me. Yeah, no problem. Hello. Hello, you're right. I am, are you? Um, no, I'm all right. I've had, there's some of that pizza left. I didn't eat the whole thing, so. So there's plenty in for tea. Yeah. Ah, all right, see you in a bit. Bye. Sorry, that was just my wife saying she's on her way home, asking if I wanted anything from McDonald's. Lovely. You know what? I, I, I tried their um, new McPlant last, uh, a couple of weeks ago. How did you find it? It was everything I've always wanted from a veggie fast food option. Like, no no dicking around. Just give me some fake meat in a burger bun with some salad and some sauce on, you know. It's it was it was joyful, honestly. It's it's something I've been waiting for for two decades. Hmm. Now, it sounds suspiciously like we're reviewing food you've eaten in the last seven days here. <laughs> no, no, no. We just can't of... help this, ourselves. This was a couple of weeks ago, Matt. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, I know I would uh, never stoop to, to talking about food I've consumed within the last seven days. Um, going going back to nicknames. Oh, yes, For yeah. the first 16 years of my life, I was always called Matthew, never Matt. And I never really cared for the name Matt. And it was uh-huh. literally when I started working at a popular hardware shop. Starts with B, ends with Q. Uh-huh. And I had to write my name on my lovely orange apron. Mm-hmm. And the box wasn't big enough. So I just put M-A-T-T and then ran out of space. And it's just stuck. It just stuck forever. Wow. And then none of my friends call me Matt or Matthew because I've got another friend called Matthew. Right. So we we go by our surnames. Ah, uh, yeah. My my brother, uh, my my brother's a Matthew, uh, but he goes by uh, Ed with most of his friends. 
Oh, really? Uh, because that's the start of our surname. Um, okay. But... Oh, um, yeah, for a second I was like, it's a bit random, is that his middle name or something? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so he's always been... been Ed or Eddie to to most of us, but I but obviously he's my brother. I've never known him by that. It was that was like when he was in like senior school and up. Um, so he's always just been Matthew to me. But uh, yeah, it's funny because I've got an uncle Danny, and recently, well, I say recently, probably about ten years ago, one of my other uncles put together like quite an extensive family tree. Mm-hmm. of our family and when I was looking at it I was like who the hell is this guy I was like mum have you got a brother called Cornelius and <laughs> and she was like uh, yeah and I was like and where's Uncle Danny and it turned out he just didn't like being called Cornelius so he just decided one day he was like <laughs> I'll just go for Danny you see the thing is I would love a name like Cornelius Right. I, to be honest, I, I think I could pull it off. Do you not think I could pull off being a Cornelius? You, you are the most Cornelius... If, if you told me your name was Albus Dumbledore, <laughs> I would believe you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but now, just plain old David. I've just uh, been lumbered with that for the rest of my life. Um, anyway, yeah. Matt. Spyfall Part 2. Good episode, bad episode. Where are you ranking it? Um... I think I might go bad episode. Yeah, it's a straight up bad episode. Yeah, I'm trying to think. May I don't know if there's anything that redeems it enough to be bad episode, good bits. Um, just flicking through my notes, just buzz reading them, mm. and no, I think I'm going to go bad episode, David. I I, I liken this two parter to a juggler. Doing a pretty decent juggling act for a good sort of five, ten minutes. And then they come to the finale when they've got to, like, catch all the clubs. And they grab the first couple and then the fir- third one, like, bonks them on the head. And they, like, just about sort of style it out and grab that one. And then two more just kind of flop over their back. And it's just like, yeah, you've got to admire the effort, but it... it 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 didn't come off perfectly in the end, did it? Um, no, no. Like I I was watching it. Yeah. And I was like, right. So the doctor, she's obviously got a bit of a axe to grind with a master. Yeah. But oh no, she's a hundred years ago now. <laughs> like, let's just have that little bit. Like you see, one hundred percent. When I finished this, I did not understand the plot. Yeah, no, that's fair. I understood I, I was... the reveals, and I kind of know where we're going with this and what's going on, but like, I was just like, I don't get this. Yeah, um, I I felt the same with this. It, it, it's it's made more sense on subsequent watches, but it is like just the the the, the plan of the Kasavan and, and and the Master and stuff is a bit confusing, and I don't think actually, I think the reason it doesn't quite make sense is because there actually isn't much uh, uh, like beyond the surface on it mm. um and I, I i'm just gonna i'm just gonna say it now that the kasavin are the uh the reapers of um 
the Jodie Whittaker era. I fully expected them to come back in some form or other. So far, they have not. Because uh-huh. I think that's it's too big an idea. Do you know what I mean? I feel like that's too big an idea. Yeah, and it's plus, it's and... a bit... Like bloody Cotton Eye Joe. Where did they come from? Where did they go? Exactly. I was like, I was convinced they were going to be like the big bad for the series or something. Um, they might turn up in the last episode like bloody Tim Shaw. We'll have forgotten about them by then. And then... Uh, they might, but I, I'm not I'm not holding my breath. I'll put it that way. Um, but, yeah. But there is stuff in this that I do enjoy. Um, so what I would say is probably bad episode lots of good bits it's just it's one of those things where it's like it's less than the sum of its parts Mm. it doesn't all fit together nicely at the end um and there's also some some absolutely dreadful stuff which we will talk about um Mm -hmm. but yeah let's just uh let's take it from the top shall we right so we open with the doctor talking to herself in a forest Mm mm-hmm and well, is back... it a forest? Because my, my, the oh, first time I, I don't saw bloody it, know, David. What is it? The first time I saw it... I thought it, I... it was inside a computer. Then I thought yeah. it was a forest. Then I thought it was the depths of Gallifrey, the bloody yeah. cloister. I don't care anymore, David. The, the first time I saw it, when Yaz is first transported, I meant to say this last week and I forgot. The first time I saw it, I genuinely thought it was like a giant carpet. Or that she yeah. had shrunk down. You know, um, it, it re- they really look like carpet fibres to me. Just, you know, magnified many times. Um, I don't know. But anyway, it's good. I like so, it. It's, as, as a should design we just choice, agree it was? Yes. Like, uh, but I, I, I do like it as a design. I think it's sort of interesting and, 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 and weird. And, it, 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 you know, it, it feels otherworldly, which is mm. a vibe I enjoy. Even though it's just clearly like a soundstage with some ropes hanging down on it. Yeah, but they do a good job with it. Right. Back on the plane from last episode, Ryan sees his name on a little plate and some advice on how to escape this dilemma of the crashing plane. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Doctor sees like an electric current flowing around this forest slash carpet and hears someone. Uh, Ryan then gets notes to land the plane and accesses a video of the Doctor, which is Mm -hmm. a bit like the video from Blink, because it talks to Graham. Yeah. Uh, And there's instructions on how to land it. Yeah. Uh, We get a lovely bit of plane flying comedy with Graham. Yeah. Where it's like, go up, go up, go down, go down. Yeah. I enjoy that. I enjoy all that. It's like, I think it does a good job of balancing the, the... The tension and, and the comedy and, and stuff. That That yeah. is not the worst comedy of this episode. Oh, we're going to talk about it. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah. Right. The Doctor meets Ada, who has been here before. And Energy surrounds Ada and gives her the word Kasaban. Mm. Now, did you guess which Ada it was? Um, well, Before the reveal. I I wasn't certain that they were going to place an important person from history just in this alien realm. So part of me went, oh, it could be Ada Lovelace. And then part of me went, oh, it might just be a girl called Ada. But Mm. it becomes pretty obvious pretty quickly which it is. Yes. Yeah. So 
Yeah, she's given this word, Kasaban. Mm-hmm. And the Doctor leaves with Ada. The Master is with Barton on his TARDIS. And Barton receives a notification to say that the plane is about to land. Yeah. And as that comes through, the Master vows to deal with the Doctor. What? What's the Master's problem, David? Um, he's mentally unwell. Well, yeah, I assume that was it. Because we went through this big story arc of redemption. Yeah. And then it's just like, bish bash bosh, evil again, aren't I? Well, you're making the assumption that this uh, version of the Master is definitely post-Missy. Oh, yeah, I suppose. I I, I can't keep up with this, David. To be honest... um, that was a big bone of contention with a, with a, with a lot of people in the fandom. Um, this idea that you know we had this redemption arc with Missy, and then we're straight back to nutty, un- unashamedly evil master in um, with Sasha Dewan, and there was lots of arguments. Was like, is it post Missy or is it pre Missy? Does that even matter? Uh, because I would also make the argument, you know, the Doctor. We, we have seen that they can have some pretty drastic shifts in their personality from incarnation mm. to incarnation. You know, you look at the transition from Peter Davison to Colin Baker. Um, they are... Their, their motivations are broadly the same, but their ways of going about things and their, their manner with other people could not be more diametrically opposed. Um so, yeah, it's never struck me as prob- as as a problem from a storytelling perspective to go from Missy to uh, Sasha Dewan's master. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Right. So, vows to deal with the Doctor, but the Doctor's at a Victorian invention fair in 1834. Yes. Everyone is amazed that the Doctor just appeared. Yeah. And we get a little joke about being the apparating man. Yeah. And then, like, oh no, apparating woman. Uh, I I really like that, just because of the way Jodie Whittaker delivers every time. (laughs) You you, you really get the sense that she's been been having that issue for a while. Um, I think it's nicely done, that moment. Uh, The bit I didn't like is where she's like, hold on in there, fam. Yeah, yeah. Please stop pointing it out, Matt. It's not going away. I know, but it's not just that. But, like, it, if ever, like, I was coming to pick you up in my car, yeah. if I said, oh, I'm five minutes away, hold on in there. Like, it, it just sounds like they're trying to talk like the kids and it just doesn't work and I don't like it, David. Yeah, no, it's 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 reasonable to have that response, Matt. Right. The fam is in Essex. Yeah. And they want to work out Barton's plan. David, it's been about an hour since I watched this episode. I'd like to work out Barton's plan too. (laughs) Um, He's giving a keynote speech in London tomorrow. So we know where he's going to be. All we've got to do is get there. Uh, Ada is convinced that the beings are her guardians. Yep. 
How do you think she reached that conclusion? She lives in the 1800s and she's been having uh, a, a series of inexplicable... Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, experiences. Um, spiritualism was very much in, in the, the, the air during that period. I think it makes perfect sense that that would be her interpretation of those events even as a uh, lady of science. So, I mean, Arthur Conan Doyle believed those uh, photographs of cardboard fairies were proof that fairies existed. You know, this is what they were dealing with in the 1800s. Yeah. Yeah. I can't complain, really. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, the master appears and starts shrinking people. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you alluded to this last time, but that's like classic Master. Like yes. One of his favourite things yeah, to we've do. Not, we've not seen any serials where he gets the older tissue compressor, uh, compressor out, but, but it is a fairly common part of his toolkit. Why did he used to do that back in the day, just to be a bit of a dick? Um... Usually, it's it was a means of of getting people out of the way, like for example, what he did, um, with that guy who worked in MI six. That he he you know grabbed him on his first day, shrunk him, stole his identity, and was able to infiltrate MI six in uh-huh. doing so. Um, but also, it is just you know it is a rapid killing device as well. It it has that that functionality so um yeah he just he goes hog wild at this uh convention yeah with with that with that machine i've put in my notes he's too shouty he's quite a shouty master isn't he yeah Yeah. like i don't know if i like it it's it's the the thing it it it, it's obviously like a very definite choice that he's made that he, he basically it's these wild swings from quiet and menacing to just unhinged bellowing. And there's no sort of transition space in the middle there. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. Like, my experience with Doctor Who is the better bad guys aren't the screamy, shouty ones. It's the more sinister... Because obviously the Doctor's greatest weapon is the mind. Yeah. So, like, when they're just screaming and shouting and carrying on... I don't like it as much. I'd rather well, see someone like clever and sinister yeah. than just someone ranting and raving. Well, I, I, d- I don't see the, the, the purpose in trying to be coy about the fact that this isn't the last episode to feature his incarnation of the Master. Um, so what I will say is that he his per- his performance grow- has grown on me, I think. Right. Um, so give him give him a chance is all I'll say. Right. So, the Doctor offers herself in place of all the hostages that the Master's planning to take. Uh, The Master demands that the Doctor kneels, and she does. Mm -hmm. And he also demands that she calls him by his name. Yeah. Which she does. Yeah. I thought we were going to get the Master's real name. Like, call me by my name, and she just goes, Philip. (laughs) That would have been fun. Um, yeah, I, I, that, it, that's such an interesting scene to me. 
Um, now, obviously, the um, the doctor complies because short term solution. She just wants the master to cool down and stop murdering everyone in sight. That's you know that's clearly her motivation for complying in that situation. But even then, when he kind of tries to twist the knife and 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 tells he tells her to say his name louder, she says it just ever so slightly softer instead. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, so yeah, I I really like that. I do really mm. like that scene. I think it's fascinating. Um. So I've just put. Why does he want a killer this time? Like, obviously, knowing what I know at the end of the lesson, at the end of the lesson, <laughs> knowing what I now know at the end of the episode, yeah. like, why Why is he... He's not mad at her. I, so. I'm i going to bite my tongue on that one. You, uh, uh, you, you, you will have a concrete explanation for that at some point. Right. You just okay. don't get it in this episode. Okay. Uh, so he, Barton, and the Kasapan have common goals. Mm-hmm. Having watched the episode, I'm not sure what those goals are. Uh, Ada then shoots the master with a steam-powered gun and then throws a big grenade at him. Yes. Okay. So Barton then calls the fam and tells them they're fugitives. They need to go dark. And obviously, the main thing you do when you're going dark is just throw your phone on the floor and then gently stand on it. (laughs) (laughs) Or unless he has, and then you call your mum first. Yeah, yeah. Why not just put your whole family in danger? (laughs) Yes, trained police officer Yasmin Khan. (laughs) Bloody hell, I forgot. God. Yeah. (sighs) She is the worst. Right. Uh, the Doctor then meets Charles. And it yeah. turns out it's Charles Babbage. Yeah, old and, Charlie B. Yeah, then works out it's old Ada Lovelace. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Babbage has the lady from Barton's office in his house. Yeah. Now There's that something was... special about this little lady, David. Yeah, we didn't discuss it last week, but it was there in the background. Uh, I don't know whether you spotted it or not. Uh, I think I did, but probably didn't pay it any mind. I mean, that's the thing. It, 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 it just looks like, I don't know, he's won some fancy tech award or something, and it's just... Yeah, it's like, like that bit in, isn't it, in one of the Iron Man films where he has that desk on, on, ornament thing that's like, spins round. I just thought it was like that, like an yeah. executive toy. Yeah. Um, so the Doctor works out the maps are not alternate Earths, but Earths through time. And the beings are kidnapping Ada for study. They can't exist in our reality, so they're stealing Ada to study her in their reality, Mm -hmm. though they will be able to come through once the Master's built them a machine. Yes. What's in it for the Master? I know he kind of says, oh, I'm going to get rid of everyone and then I'll be in charge, but like... I mean, D&D Kurt terms, chaotic evil. Yeah, he's just going the long way around solving this problem, isn't he? He is, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so... The Doctor uses the sonic screwdriver to open a rift and steps through. She's going back to the 20th century, David. She's going to fix it all. Mm-hmm. Um... 
Meanwhile, the fam are hiding out in a new build house because there's no technology, no internet, so they think they're safe. And they work out that they hardly know the doctor. Yeah. Uh, which is, which a is true. Yeah, it's a valid point. And that's because there's three of them, there's been no room for character development in Series 11. <laughs> but, but, but also, like, if you go back to the Matt Smith, Amy Pond relationship, mm -hmm. a lot of that development we know takes place off screen because they'd start the episodes where it's like, wow, that was crazy. Yeah. What a great time we've just had. Whereas here, you know, the episodes may as well just be like perfectly chronological. Uh, yeah, pretty much. There's, there's, there's hints of other adventures here and there. But, uh, but I think more crucially, I mean, we have seen other Doctors. I mean, Eccleston was not particularly forthcoming. Actually, so was Tennant. I mean, do you remember that scene in Gridlock where at the end of that, Martha actually sits him down, like grabs a couple of chairs and says, yeah. no, before we get back in the TARDIS, you're going to tell me something. Um, so the Doctor does have a habit of, because they just want to hop from adventure to adventure, they don't always do their companions the courtesy of being an open book. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's that's something worth exploring. You know? Yeah, I think it's fair that they at least know what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. But then again, if you were travelling all of space and time with someone, like, and if it was all going well, if you it was like tickety-boo, it wouldn't really matter who they were and where they were from at first, would it? No, no. It's only when it hits the, the fan. Yeah. Or hits the fan. <laughs> right. It turns out that they still have spy gadgets That's from handy. last episode. Yeah. And I think this is probably second place for the worst bit of the episode for me. Mm -hmm. It's the bit where Graham calls Yaz and Ryan a pair of donuts. And they go, donuts, And he goes, donuts. Like, is that a joke that I'm not aware of? Like, they're just... It goes on for far too long where they're just going, did you just call us donuts? Yeah, you pair of donuts. Eh, it's all right. It didn't, it didn't bother me that much. It's uh, still not the worst part of this episode. No, it isn't. Okay. The Doctor and Ada arrive in Paris in 1943. Oh, yeah. crikey, it's gone we wrong go. and they've landed at the wrong time. At least it's not London, eh? Yeah. And the Master's a Nazi. Of course he is. Yeah. So, I mean... Oh, right, OK. OK, here we go. <laughs> How did that make you feel? Like, I, I get it. It's a ham-fisted way of making him a real bad guy, isn't he? Yeah. Like, it, it could have been any time. You know, it could have been... You know, it could have been that he was fighting against women's suffrage or mm. something like that. But that's not evil enough. We have to make him the worst. You see, I honestly... It doesn't... It doesn't upset me... Because, because you honestly, support the Nazi regime. Yes, of course, that's exactly what I'm saying. Matt. Um, but more to the point, it's not off-brand in any way. You know, this is this is the same character that that will ally themselves with 
sea devils, Toclafe. Like, his whole thing is he finds whatever is the nearest antagonistic group that he can cosy up to and form an alliance with. That is what he does. What, was he mates with the Cybermen in the last one? Uh, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, the 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 uh, the when they blew up that big spaceship. Uh, yes, and also Missy was in Dark Water and Death in Heaven. Oh yeah. Like this is how the master operates, because otherwise there's only it's just the, 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 you know one person on their own. In order to wreak havoc, um, the, they need to, the master needs to recruit themselves a little army, okay. and the. He's in 1943 in Paris. What else is he going to do? He's going to, you know, it 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 it's it makes sense to me. Now, there's stuff that happens later on with it that we we can talk about when we get there. But the basic principle, I don't, I'm not, I'm not phased by. But I do understand how it. it uh, to be clear, I it, I do understand how how it's different using something very real-world and historical like the Nazis versus something like the Sea Devils. I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying that it's, a, that it's a direct parallel. Please don't misunderstand me, listeners. Um, but I'm just saying it's not off-brand for him as a character. Right. Uh, the Kasabans arrive at the house where the fam are hiding out. Yeah. And we get a little bit of running about until Graham... Uses his laser shoes. Here we go. Chekhov's laser shoe. Yeah. We knew it was going to have to come back. Yeah. So he does a little bit of tap dancing. There's lasers blasting around everywhere. It's an absolute hoot, isn't it? Yeah. I honestly wonder what the reaction was in in the VFX team when they got the brief and the footage for this scene. It was like... Here you go, guys. Bradley Walsh flapping about in some shoes. Yeah. yeah. You turn up, you're a graphic design artist, and you're just like, uh, another day, the old night of five. I just can't take it anymore. <laughs> what is it today? Cybermen, robots, here we go. And it's just Bradley Walsh doing a little dance. <laughs> And his line, don't make me do the old soft shoe shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. Ten out of ten from me, David. <laughs> Look, I, okay, to be fair, it is intentionally silly. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I just think it's... Um, Chibnall... Chibnall is so hit and miss with his comedy. Sometimes he actually manages to write stuff that is genuinely funny. And sometimes it just comes across as just like the daddest of dad jokes. And I feel like the the laser shoe scene is like very much in the mould of lame dad humour. Mm. Yeah. Can't say I'm a fan. Yeah. Right. So, Barton talks to his disapproving mother until the Kasabans blast her. Yeah. Literally no point in that scene. Like, was it just that his mum disapproved and he wanted to teach her a lesson? I mean, possibly. I feel like if you're going to introduce 
a, a plot thread about you know your your villain is so evil and, and 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 twisted and stuff that they're willing to sacrifice their own mother and in fact make them sort of like the first victim of their evil plan, then you need a villain that is presenting a a, a good fifty percent more evil than Daniel Barton does, who for the most part seems to just be a slightly unpleasant man. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what That's I mean? That's a pretty good way of putting it. Yeah. Right. Um, how can the master understand this French lady, David, when his TARDIS is so far away? Who knows what the master's got implanted in his brain or, or whatever. Doesn't bother me. It's television. You've always got an answer, haven't you? I just always like, got an answer. I'm not saying in all cases, but when any, anything where it comes to time lords, the question should not be how did they do that because the answer is they're time lords. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, the Nazis shoot the floor in this French lady's apartment because um, that's where she stowed away the Doctor and Ada. Yeah. Uh, conveniently, they shoot at the bit of the floor that they're not hiding beneath. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they survive and it turns out the French lady is and I hope I'm pronouncing this right Norcan um, yeah something like that um, but yeah so this basically prompts Jodie Whittaker to do her second Wikipedia article recitation of the episode <laughs> yeah so she was um, a French radio operative yeah. she was you know in league with Britain during the second world war mm-hmm uh, and they have a nice little chat, and Ada Lovelace sees Paris on fire. Yeah. So we'll just pause here for a second to discuss that these. T- we we now have a double uh, celebrity celebrity historical going on at the same time as we're trying to resolve all of the nonsense that was set up in in Spyfall Part One. And I think I understand Chibnall's thinking here. In part one, he has written a story that is all about espionage and the world of tech. Uh-huh. Here in episode two, he's thinking about, OK, well, we've got these two categories, espionage and technology. Let's have a look for some women who played a significant role in these fields. And he's found himself Ada Lovelace and Norka. And so he crowbars them into this episode, but they basically do nothing. Mm. That, like, they could have been anyone for the most part. Yeah. Like, Ada Lovelace, she, 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 she doesn't do any maths in this, does she? No, no. And in like, fact, when they to say, oh, that's a computer... She goes, what's that? And they make a point of going, oh, I shouldn't have told you that. Like, yeah. that could have literally been, like, Betty from the street. It could have been anyone. Yeah. So, I feel like, if you want like, there is scope to do an Ada Lovelace, Charles Babbage story, um, but we don't get that here. There's probably scope to have done just a uh, Paris in 1943, Neil Khan story. But we don't get that here. They're just, they're just like add-ons to an already slightly overcrowded and messy episode. Mm. 
Yeah, that's that's the probably the best way of putting it. I know I said bad episode. It yeah. is just a mess, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. Right. So the doctor has an idea. Yaz calls her sister, but the call is tracked, mm-hmm. and within seconds, Barton's mob appear. However, will we get rid of them? We just do another little shoe dance. Oh yes, this is where we get the line about the the uh, soft shoe shuffle, isn't it? Yeah, this is yeah. the uh, the worst bit, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Right, the Doctor uses... So, I will say, I do like when Ryan is just like, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and then Yaz just pops her head out of the car window and just says, Ryan, don't tell them the plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that you see, you see what I mean. Like Chibnall can write genuinely funny moments, but then he also does. Don't make me do the old soft shoe shuffle. It's just like I can't, I can't deal with both of these tones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So the Doctor uses Nose Radio to Morse code the four beats of two hearts. Yeah. So I thought she was doing the sound of drums, but yeah. no, it was the old heartbeats. Yeah. And then she just, this is another one where you're just going to say, because they're Time Lords, but they do like a mental chat over time and space. They do. And uh, the uh, the Doctor does say, you're not the only one who can do classic. And again, nod and a wink. That was first established, I believe, in The Three Doctors. Okay. Um, where they go contact and they yeah create a sort of telepathic link from one time lord to another. Right. Uh, so they agree to meet at the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. And I assume the master does his big mental John Sim jump to get to the top. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he can't still do that. Uh, well, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> we never saw Missy do it. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Right. The master hijacked the car that tried to kill everyone in the first episode. Killed Stephen Fry because spies began to notice the Kassavans. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fam find Barton's mum. He calls them and says he's part of a Kassavan experiment. That we never find out what it is. Uh we do kind of. So isn't the idea that it's going to, they're basically going to turn people into hard drives? Yeah, but why? Uh, They've been on Napster and downloaded yeah. all the Metallica albums. <laughs> Maybe. And this is the thing where I feel like Chibnall genuinely felt like that was enough. Like audiences don't need any more than that. Yeah, why? Yeah, I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? It just... It just comes across as a bit undercooked. I, I just think, like, how much storage do they need? Yeah. Like, my computer's got a couple of terabytes. I'm never going to fill that. I don't <laughs> need seven billion terabytes. Unless people have only got, like, the capacity of an old floppy disk. Perhaps. What if uh, Chibnall is still do- you're doing that? Maybe he's just working away on some MS-DOS computer. <laughs> Probably. He's, he's, his he's, understanding he's, of technology is as dated as his understanding <laughs> of women. I, I just, I just love this image of like he just he's bashed out another uh, Doctor Who script and he and he pops out the floppy disk, <laughs> and yeah. pops it, pops it in the post post to uh, 
to the BBC and they're just like, oh God, fire up the old PC. Chibnall's sent in another one. I also like this bit where Ada Lovelace pure buys into whatever the Doctor says. So Mm. she's explaining to Nosh, she's like, me and the Doctor have seen things together. Like, you've been together for about 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, what have you seen? A man shrink another man? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, That's the thing. It's... The, Ada Lovelace is, is is done a real disservice in this story. Mm. For such an interesting historical figure. Yeah. Anyway. Right. So the, Ada calls the Doctor on an old uh, flip phone. Yep. And the Doctor returns the call with like a sonic screwdriver signal. And I put at this point, had Ada found the Master's TARDIS? Turns out, yes, she had. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this is where the episode finally gets interesting. The Master had been to Gallifrey. Yeah. And someone had destroyed it. Yeah. Well, at this point, got it back. Yeah, well, I thought it would be the Doctor that had wrecked it. Mm-hmm. Just like, had enough coming and going all the time, just like, smash it to bits. Uh, but the Doctor hadn't just called Ada... She'd also called the Nazis and framed him as a double agent. Yeah. Okay. So the Doctor so, escapes at this point. Good good scheme. Uh, you know, they could have left it there. But then the Doctor does something. Uh, I don't know if you made a note of it or not. Um, because they, they referenced earlier the fact that the... Also, look... Basically, this is not how I would have done this. I feel like if I was writing this episode, I wouldn't have addressed the fact that um, uh, the Master is played by a non-white actor. Mm-hmm. And just left it at that. But Chibnall felt the need to directly address it and have the Master say, oh, yes, I've got, you know, um, I've got this... Um, facial perception filter so they you know they're, they're not seeing me as I am so that they you know because obviously he doesn't fit the standard profile of a Nazi officer um, and the doctor on her way out just goes ahead and just gives it a bit of a boop with the sonic screwdriver so that the Nazis will persecute him on the grounds of his race yeah it certainly certainly didn't sit that comfortable with me it's i mean the most charitable word i can think of is ham-fisted yeah like insensitive and ill thought out exactly i i am not I do not for a second think that uh, Chibnall is racist. Um, I don't think... I don't think he had any malicious intent there. But it, it, it it's the same thing that, that... It's the same sort of slapdash approach that meant that we ended arachnids in the UK with the Doctor believing that the, the most merciful solution was to let the the spiders asphyxiate or just cannibalise one another 
in a locked concrete bunker. Yeah. <laughs> you it know. Seems very out of out of character and not that yeah. heroic when you think about it, isn't it? Yeah, no, exactly. It's just... I just feel he just doesn't always think through the implications of what he's writing. Mm. And for a, for us, you know, this is the period in Doctor Who where it's getting the most stick for being quote unquote woke. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, the RTD era had like just a lot more, you know, positive gay representation and things like that and then this year it's got the doctor the hero of our story weaponizing the race of another character um in a really really problematic fashion so <laughs> i feel like it's not a it's you know you can criticize this era for many things i don't think being too woke is one of them in all honesty um yeah, it's a, it's a strange moment. I feel like we said enough. We don't need to say more on that, but yeah. I, it, it had to be addressed. We couldn't just glide past it the way the episode does. Right, so the Doctor, Ada and Nor steal the Master's TARDIS, and the Kasavan plan was to gather data on the history of the computer. Yeah. I think. Uh Barton begins his keynote speech and he texts everyone on planet Earth. Now, I will say, it's a bit obvious, but I like Barton's speech mm-hmm. because it is actually showing... This is where I feel like Trenton Chibnall is actually writing from the heart. He, You can tell that he has been thinking a lot about these issues. And... I like it when Doctor Who gets a little bit political, when it's reflecting considerations of the day, regardless of whether or not that that dates it a bit. Because, frankly, one of the joys of Doctor Who is that it's... Because it's so long-running, is that it, it's a bit of a time capsule. It's kind of a reflection of how TV was being made and the time that it was made and, and what people were thinking about sometimes in the yeah. time in which it was being made. So I quite like millennials, too much time on their phone. Yeah, but the thing is, that's not what this scene is saying. It, it's it's all about just like, we've all made this bargain with big tech that we are happy to hand over our personal data in exchange for services. You know, data is a form of currency especially personal data. And it's one that we currently, I feel, as a society, are undervaluing. And I think that is what this scene is kind of driving at. Yeah, we're all too focused with our non-fungible tokens, aren't we, nowadays? Oh, yeah, I'm big into NFTs. Shall we make some? <laughs> I'm going to draw a picture of the Doctor, and it's going to be my NFT. Yeah, go for it. Right. Yeah, you, you wreck remain- that planet for the yeah, sake I'm going to do of- it for the remainder of this episode. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you, you get what I'm saying, though, then, Matt. I feel like it's it actually, it's one of the moments in this... And this is what I mean about this episode being uh, less than the sum of its parts. There's some great stuff in here. Like, pretty much every interaction between the Doctor and the Master. I, I, I just eat that with a spoon. Um, and 
this bit where it where you can feel that that Chibnall actually has something to say about uh, you know tech monopolies and how that they are genuinely more powerful than 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 governments at this point because they transcend national boundaries and governments are filled with people who don't understand tech sufficiently to to properly police and legislate it some big themes in there it just gets very very lost in the mix with flipping laser shoes and uh nazis and ada loveless and all the rest of it it's just it's it's yeah yeah anyway sorry i'm right um so yeah he begins his speech he texts everyone in humanity yeah do you remember when you two did that and they put their album on everyone's phone oh yes yeah that was it was a an apple thing wasn't it fortunately i thought who do you think's more evil barton or bono (laughs) you know what i know surprisingly little about bono um you know, I'm not. I'm. I'm not trying. To, I'm, I won't just sit here, sort of like, um, talking about how how little I I know of U2's discography, but also just like Bono as a person. I know he's meant to be quite egotistical. I guess I don't know. Yeah, like, just just a bit. Like uh, the U2 have made zero impact on my life. That's what it comes down to. I I don't think I could name a, a U2 song. Um. I've never actively sought out anything to do with them. I'm aware that Bono exists. And they have a... The bass player's got a silly name as well, hasn't he? I can't remember the, what it is. The Edge. The Edge, yes. Um, but that's like, about it. I can't believe they're going around themselves calling themselves Bono and The Edge and you can't get a nickname. <laughs> that That's tragic. Yeah. I mean, I am a tragic figure, let's be honest. Yeah, from now on, I'm going to call you Vitamin D. Please don't, Matt. Right. I, I, honestly, I would much rather have Cornelius. <laughs> <laughs> right, you've got three minutes to prepare for the end of humanity. It's not long enough, is it? No. I Imagine if you were trying ten. to ring your loved one and it was engaged. Yeah. At least ten. I think ten's reasonable. I'd say a day. Imagine if you're working away from home. Yeah. But the thing is, I think if you, you you give people a day and it's just it's it it'll be full Mad Max within two hours. Yeah. Right. So three minutes, and then I put. Why does Barton want all the humans to become storage? I guess we'll never know. And the master arrives with the fam. He's been yeah. alive for 77 years. This reminded me of uh, uh, Fatal Death, where he kept falling <laughs> down that hole and coming back. And... Yeah, it's not far off. Yeah. Um, Though in this case, presumably he's been in a concentration camp. Yeah. And just managed to get out. Yeah. He's just had a tough 77 years. Yeah. Uh, he starts erasing all of Yaz's DNA and the Doctor arrives to stop it all. Yeah. Okay. With her, with her new team. Yeah, because she's built a shutdown into the machine if the Kasavans arrive. Uh, it turns out the Kasavans 
are already there, so don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, now, the Doctor goes back... Sorry, the Master is now in Kasavanland because the Doctor explains his plan mm -hmm. that things, you know, once they've got rid of all the humans, he's going to get rid of the Kasavans and take over. It's a very big shift in their relationship from what we saw with both Tennant and Capaldi, where, you know, Tennant, you've got, You've got him cradling the master in his arms, begging him to regenerate because he doesn't want to lose the only other living Time Lord. Um, Capaldi, obviously, you've got the whole the whole Missy arc. And in this one episode, she's already just like, yeah, nope, going to steal your TARDIS, going to strand you <laughs> in... Yeah. In, in the middle of uh, Nazi Paris, good luck with that, see you later. And then here, she's just like, yeah, I'm just going to throw you into whatever random dimension of nothing uh, that is. She's been there herself, she knows what it's like. But yeah. she still doesn't think twice about it. Uh, the, she just doesn't care anymore, David. <laughs> she's just had enough of the master by now. <laughs> it seems that way, yeah. Yeah. So... He screams Doctor, and the fam say that the Doctor has some explaining to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. At this point, we see the Doctor put together the plan from the beginning when uh, Ryan saw all the signs on the spaceship. Not the spaceship, yeah. the aeroplane, sorry. Yeah. You know, quite clever. We get to see how that all came together. Yeah, um, I, do, I do like the Doctor's line. Oh, I love a laminator. Oh, yeah, who doesn't? Yeah, exactly. Um... And she takes Nora and Ada home and mind wipes them. Yeah, okay, this is the other, like, just clumsy, problematic bit that we've got to briefly touch on, I feel like. So, apparently the Doctor's learned nothing. Yeah. You know, we had, that, we had you know, obviously Donna and how painful that was. Then we had the thing with Clara where he finally got a taste of his own medicine and started to understand a bit what what that might be like um which is then highlighted brilliantly in the pilot where he you know you've got that scene where he attempts to mind wipe bill after their adventure to because he's you know he wants to keep the oath and just set things back the way they should be and she she begs him not to and he doesn't and we hear clara's theme playing we just to underscore that moment and I felt like that was it. Like we didn't need to touch on this idea again. We had, you know, come full circle. The Doctor had learned and grown, and understood that. <laughs> and she just no, not wipes, today. White Sader Lovelace's uh, mind without her consent. Yeah. Top draw stuff, Chibnall. Yeah, just I. I... I did not agree with this episode, David. I didn't. Yeah. I just did not enjoy it. So she it's thinks just, about it's so going... clumsy, isn't it? Because again, I don't. I'm. I'm not ascribing any genuine malice to Chibnall here. I just feel he's not thought about it enough. Just take us. Just have a couple of days. Go for a few walks and things, and come back and reread what you wrote the other day. And honestly think about whether you think it's good enough or whether there might be some issues that need addressing. 
Or just ask someone. Yeah. Just, I, I, just, just say, will you just give this a quick look? Yeah. I don't... I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but anyway. Yeah. So the Doctor thinks about Gallifrey and decides mm-hmm. to give it a little visit, just a little check-in. And David, it's a mess. It is. It's seen better days, for sure. It's a right sorry state of affairs. Yeah. Um, so, whilst she's back on the TARDIS having a little think, like, oh, God, what's going on here? Everything's a mess. Uh, she gets, like, a little voicemail from the Master. <laughs> That's handy. Yeah. Who says, yeah, remember when I told you someone uh, had a little go at Gallifrey? Well, it was me. Yeah. Bet you didn't see that coming. Well, it was going to be one of the two of them, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, and he wrecked Gallifrey because they lied. Yeah. Because we're not who we think, David. Yeah. We're all victims of the lie of the timeless child. Yeah. It's time to see what everyone's so bloody mad about, David. It's, yeah. It's timeless child season. Yes, it is indeed. Uh, and then, Are you looking forward to it? Uh, be interesting to see what's going on. Yeah. Like, I would like I. Obviously, when we watched the Five Doctors, and there was like that whole like myth about Rassilon, is it going to be something insane like that, or is it going to be that once there was an alien called the Timeless Child and it killed everyone on Gallifrey? I don't know. Have to wait and see. Yep. Look forward to it. You you won't won't find out next week. (laughs) Right. Well, in that case, I'm going to go back a couple of series from when Missy first appeared and assume that the Timeless Child is the Christian God. (laughs) (laughs) As good a guess as any. Yep. And we end the episode with the farm questioning the Doctor again. Mm-hmm. So, she's oh, real a shifty. bit of a nothing. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, I hate it when we have episodes like this, Matt, because when I'm, when I'm watching an episode like Spyfall 2, it's not, it's not great, and there are bits of it that really rub me up the wrong way, but whilst I'm watching it, I'm having an okay time because on, on a basic level, I love Doctor Who and even bad Doctor Who is still usually entertaining. for it, but Doctor Who has to get really bad for me to just no longer be having any fun. But then we come, I have to sit here and talk about it with you and all I can see is the frustrating parts. Yeah. So I just want to be clear about it. There is, there is stuff in this episode that I genuinely do like. I just don't think it all comes together in the end. And that's a shame, but it's not the first Doctor Who story to be like that, and it certainly won't be the last. They, they, you know, they can't all be bangers. So before we wrap up, David, I'm going to yeah. send you the NFT I've been working on. Oh, great. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, going to so make our millions on this, right? Yeah. This is how we finally make it big. Yeah. It should have just come through to you. Do, do, do. Just opening it up. My phone's really slow. Bear with me. Feel free to edit this out. Or not, depending on how lazy you're feeling. 
<laughs> top drawer stuff. I won't say yeah. what's on it. I feel like you, you, um, when when this episode drops, pop it up on the on the um, on the Twitter feed, and if you're list- curious listeners, maybe have a poke around our Twitter, and you you'll see that. I, I've already put it on Twitter, David. Oh, have you? Oh, <laughs> right then. Well, um, if if you haven't, if you don't follow us on Twitter, then you you know you'll have to scroll down through two weeks of whatever else, whatever random shit Matt's been posting on Twitter uh, for the past past fortnight. But it will be there. Um, uh, anyway, um, yeah, there's nothing else to say, is there, Matt? Um, hopefully, you'll have a better time with next week's episode. Um, oh, what are we looking at? Orphan 55. Now, that's one I recognise the name as yes. potentially quite a bad one. I think people have used, like, thrown that in conversations. You know when we used to do Man Who Was Afraid To Be Wrong About Doctor Who on the internet? Yes. I think it might have come up there. Yeah, possibly. Um... I will confirm that it has a reputation with a capital R. Mm-hmm. Um, but please, Matt, go into it with an open mind. Yeah. Because ultimately, you are the judge here, not the received wisdom of uh, the Doctor Who fandom at large. You know, don't trust those people. They, they like classic Who. You don't like classic Who, do you, Matt? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it depends if it's got you-know-who in it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, uh, genuinely, do go into it with an open mind. Um, you might you might be pleasantly surprised. Who knows? Um, but until then, as always, dear listeners, thank you ever so much for joining us. And until next time, cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.